Hey there, and welcome to the Bakingish Podcast, the podcast where we go through cult classic and timeless recipes, break down what makes them work, and how to experiment with recipes in order to make it truly your own. Along the way, we'll discuss what makes life worth living, the highs and the lows, and try to figure out what it is to navigate the complexity of being human. Within the kitchen, you are limitless, and with that comes the ability to find a voice in order to face the outside world. So join me, your host, Ren Newman, as we dive right on into this week's recipe. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's podcast. Just a few housekeeping things to get out of the way at the beginning. Um, my website's up and running. There will be blog posts bi-weekly. Uh, podcasts will still be going up every week. Nothing's changed there. Um, we just have a blog now, which is exciting. Um, I'll be talking about things that are separate from the podcast. So more human condition things versus mental health and baking. Don't worry. It'll still be funny. It won't be as heavy or as <laughs> jam-packed with suspense or trauma as some of these episodes are. So you have that to look forward to. I plan on getting a email list uh, together and sent out as well. So stay tuned for that. Be prepared. Um, All the socials, everything's updated. Um, I also joined with a really, really cool group of bakers who are doing something similar to what we're doing here, Um, which I shouldn't be surprised. No idea is revolutionary, right? It's just the people that carry through with the momentum that make it revolutionary. So there's, you know, a handful of bakers across the world who are actually combining mental illness and baking as tools in order to combat their mental illnesses. Um, And I will link everything uh, about them in the show notes as well as on the website. They're really, really cool people. They're spread all across the world, you know, the UK, Canada, US. It's really, really awesome to see other people taking initiative and doing something similar. Um, And with that, let's just jump into it. So this week, we're going to be discussing dissociative identity disorder. Um, So DID, as we're going to refer to it, because saying dissociative identity disorder is a mouthful and DID is a little bit easier. Um... So DID was previously recognized as multiple personality disorder. It's characterized by the presence of two or more dissociated self-states known as alters that have the ability to take executive control and are associated with some degree of inter-identity amnesia. DID is caused by chronic childhood trauma and is highly associated with post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. Individuals with DID report the highest rates of childhood trauma, particularly physical, sexual, and emotional abuse, generally beginning before the age of six, of patients with any psychiatric disorder. Because of this, DID can be conceptualized as a childhood onset post-traumatic developmental disorder in which the traumatized child is unable to complete the normal developmental processes involved in consolidating a core sense of self. Together with disturbed caretaker child attachment and parenting, repeated early trauma disrupts the development of normal processes involved in the elaboration and consolidation of a unified sense of self. Therefore, the child fails to integrate the different experiences of self that normally occur across different states and contexts. DID has been found in children, adolescents, and adults. Unfortunately, early trauma may be a risk factor for later trauma. DID individuals report very high rates of adult rape, intimate partner violence, and other forms of exploitation, 
such as being a victim of trafficking. DID is both a disorder and a form of resilience. Psychological compartmentalization of trauma or overwhelming experiences allows for more normal development of the capacity for clear thinking, intellectual and creative abilities, the ability to understand reality, development of a sense of humor, the capability for attachment to others, and a capacity for insight, which are all important in the psychotherapy treatment of DID. All right, I'm going to come at you with some facts and some myths. So let's start out with the facts. As always, just a little sidebar here. All the stats and the data that I am pulling from my resources will be in the show notes. Everything is always going to be linked. That way there is no dispute as to whether it's accurate or not. I'm not just making numbers up. I would never do that. (laughs) That's truly awful and it's too easy to do these days. So everything's linked in the show notes below. But the facts. Estimates on the prevalence of DID vary very, very widely. Studies show that it can affect anyone from 0.01% to 15% of people. It's more common in areas that experience large-scale trauma such as war or natural disasters. DID is more commonly diagnosed in women than men. The majority of people with DID have experienced severe trauma in childhood and dissociate as a way of coping with a situation that is too violent or traumatic for their conscious self to handle. DID was called multiple personality disorder until 1994, when the name was changed to reflect a better understanding for the condition. Just like people, science will grow and change with society. So the fact that they're renaming things and actually taking control of what these diagnoses is called is huge. A myth. People with DID have multiple personalities that they can call on at will. In actuality, people with DID have experienced a fragmentation or splintering of their identity rather than a growth of new identities. For the vast majority of people with DID, switching between alters is involuntary and it can't be identified by a casual observer at all. Myth. People with DID are dangerous or violent. Reality. People with DID are no more likely to be violent than anyone else. There are very, very few documented cases linking crime to DID. The idea of an quote-unquote evil alter is not true. Myth. DID isn't real and people who say they have it are just pretending. Reality. The diagnosis of DID continues to remain controversial among mental health professionals as understanding of the illness develops. But there is no question that the symptoms are real and people do experience them. Myth. DID is the same as schizophrenia. Reality. DID and schizophrenia are very different illnesses. Schizophrenia is a psychotic illness where a person may experience delusions, paranoia, and hallucinations. It does not involve dissociation. People with DID are not delusional or hallucinating their alters. I fell subject to the last one. I, well, I didn't fall subject to it. I did think that my sister might have had DID in lieu of schizophrenia. Um, We talked it through with our counselor and it was when she went through testing for schizophrenia, DID was ruled out. Um, But at the time, her symptoms were overlapping with other illnesses. And so DID could have been possible, but um, 
it wasn't. I didn't think they were the same, but they were so similar that I couldn't tell the difference at the time of her diagnosis. Symptoms. The following criteria must be met for a person to be diagnosed with dissociative identity disorder. I know I said I'd call it DID, but you know, I scripted this out, it's 11 pages long, and I just read it off as you do. (laughs) So forgive me, it'll be DID from here on out. (laughs) Uh, So some symptoms. The person experiences two or more distinct identities or personality states, each with its own way of thinking and relating. Some cultures see these states as the experience of being possessed. The person may experience amnesia and gaps in the recall of everyday events, personal information, or traumatic events. The person must be distressed by the disorder or have trouble functioning in their life as a result of the disorder. The disturbance is not part of normal cultural or religious practice. For example, a child with an imaginary friend is not indicative of mental illness. Thank God. Ugh. My imaginary friend growing up, his name was Michael. And let me tell you, he was my best friend. (laughs) I still think about it. There are actually pictures, not pictures of us, but pictures of me playing with my imaginary friend, who is not real. Um, But (laughs) we went so far as to get married, which is honestly hilarious. And there are pictures of my fake three-year-old wedding (laughs) in our family photo album which is like super embarrassing to admit but also super endearing and and really hilarious um but i'm glad that that is not indicative of (laughs) anything other than having normal childhood although i don't i don't think anyone else marries their imaginary friend if you have please let me know so i know that i'm not alone (laughs) um and the last symptom is that the symptoms aren't due to substance abuse or other medical conditions such as epileptic seizures. So the post-traumatic origins of DID mean that anywhere between 80 and 100% of individuals with DID who receive treatment also have symptoms of PTSD. Other disorders commonly associated with DID are depression or very rapid mood swings that frequently do not or only partially respond to medications substance abuse and unexplained medical symptoms with repeated negative workups, typically for apparent seizures or other neurological disorders. One of the most common symptoms of DID is hearing voices, most often within the mind. Because of this, many individuals with DID are unsuccessfully treated with medications for schizophrenia or other psychotic disorders. Individuals with DID have very high rates of self-destructive and suicidal behavior and often have multiple, usually unproductive, hospitalizations for mood disorders, personality disorders, and or psychotic diagnosis. The average individual with DID spends up to 12.5 years in mental health treatment until a correct diagnosis is made. 12.5 years, guys. Can you imagine not being able to know what you're up against or that you're not broken or that it's not a defect for 12.5 years? Oh, I can't even imagine. I have goosebumps right now. A diagnosis of dissociative identity disorder should be suspected if you or your loved one 
receives numerous different psychiatric diagnoses, yet does not respond to many different types of treatment, including multiple medications, types of psychotherapy, or neurostimulation treatments like electroconvulsive therapy, ECT, and transcranial magnetic stimulation, or TMS. Unlike the stereotype of DID, symptoms of DID are usually subtle and hidden, and individuals with DID do not readily reveal their symptoms without careful examination by a mental health professional. You or your loved ones may notice the person is repeatedly very moody, highly changeable from time to time, and has difficulty recalling important personal experiences. This can include a variety of current behaviors and parts of life history that aren't related to the use of substances or medications or to brain injuries or diseases. These difficulties recalling important personal experiences can include significant gaps in memory for life history, experiencing blackouts or time loss, gaps in remembering current life history. I think we can all relate to this in our current climate with coronavirus. I don't even know what day it is or what's going on, quite frankly. Are we still in March? Are we in December? I don't know. (laughs) I live in a place that doesn't have seasons, so it's like really hard to tell. Um, They might experience lack of recall of complex witness behaviors, even positive behaviors, such as doing well in a presentation at work. They might not remember or have difficulty remembering important events, such as graduations, birthdays, weddings, and vacations that other family members can recall really well. They might have reoccurring, puzzling lack of memory for things that the person has purchased or created, inexplicable alterations in abilities and habits, such as forgetting that one can play a musical instrument or changing suddenly from a smoker to a non-smoker and then back again. They might have repeated unexplained travel or getting lost in, in familiar places or repeated rationalizations for being forgetful or preoccupied. The list goes on. Don't worry, there's there's more symptoms. Basically, these symptoms are stated in order to help family and friends and someone with DID, if that's you. Um, it's to help you, you know, differentiate what you're going through from other mental illnesses so that you don't feel like it's too much. So you don't get it confused or misdiagnosed with schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or some other mood disorder. Um, There are a lot of symptoms and health professionals are trying to point them out to ensure that they're treating you correctly and with care, you know, the care that you deserve. Um, That statistic, 12.5 years spent in mental health care I mean it's a lot and we want to prevent that right as a society we want to break down the stigma that you have to stay silent or you have to go through so many different treatment plans in order to be quote-unquote fixed there's a lot of symptoms listed in order to identify what it is that we're wrestling with right so Some other common symptoms of DID include hearing voices, particularly inside one's mind. These are often experienced as having their own sense of self, such as a child's voice, an angry voice, a caring and supported voice, among others. Seeing things that other people do not see, such as people, faces, or visions, including seeing the 
quote, people that one is hearing talking inside their mind. Out-of-body experiences is if watching oneself from a distance outside or even inside oneself frequently accompanied by the feeling that one can observe but not control what one is doing. Feeling like you are disconnected from the world around you as if you are seeing through a fog. Things seem unreal. Experiencing repeated inexplicable sudden intrusions of thoughts, feelings, urges, or actions that one does not control. Experiencing repeated inexplicable sudden deletion of thoughts, feelings, or behavior that one does not control. Feeling divided with different senses of self that seem relatively independent of one another and often are in conflict or struggle. Inexplicably feeling very different at different times, varying opinions, abilities, habits, and access to memory and learned information. People with DID can have a range of symptoms which may appear at different times. Some people may have many obvious alters that they switch between throughout the day, while others may have one alter that they access only very occasionally. Dissociation. So dissociation is a coping mechanism that a person uses to disconnect from a stressful or traumatic situation or to separate traumatic memories from normal awareness. By disassociating painful memories from everyday thought processes, a person can maintain a level of functioning as though the trauma had not occurred. Episodes of DID can be triggered by a variety of real and symbolic traumas, including mild events such as being involved in a minor traffic accident, illness, or stress. Reminders of past trauma can also trigger a dissociative episode. The person with DID may or may not be aware of the other personality states and memories of the time when an alter is dominant. People with DID typically also have dissociative amnesia, which is memory loss that is more severe than normal forgetfulness. An episode of amnesia usually occurs suddenly and may last minutes, hours, or rarely months. I went over this a little bit earlier, um, and a little bit last week as well, but we're going to go over the causes and treatment for DID. So, DID is likely caused by many factors, but people with DID have experienced severe physical, verbal, or sexual abuse during childhood, usually before the age of nine. The stress of war or natural disasters also can bring on dissociative disorders. A child who learns to dissociate in order to endure a traumatic experience may use this coping mechanism in response to stressful situations throughout life. Seeking help, diagnosis, and treatment. While treatment for DID can take a long time, it is effective. People with DID should see a mental health professional with experience with dissociation. The goal for treatment is the integration of separate alters into one unified personality. Treatment for DID usually takes a multi-stage approach. The first stage focuses on establishing symptoms and ensuring the patient's safety. The second stage involves processing traumatic memories in a safe and supportive environment. And the third stage involves unifying the alters into a cohesive identity, a cohesive system. Therapy for DID is usually long-term. While there is no medication that can treat dissociative disorders themselves, medications may be prescribed for associated depression, anxiety, or other health issues. DID is a treatable disorder once it is properly diagnosed. Clinicians who understand DID symptoms can diagnose DID in the clinical interview. There are also paper and pencil tests that can help clinicians diagnose DID and other dissociative disorders. 
Studies show that DID symptoms improve over time when treated using phasic trauma treatment. So what is phasic trauma treatment? It's a psychotherapeutic treatment that has three phases. One, safety and stability. Two, working on traumatic memories. Three, reintegration into life. In DID treatment, working directly with the DID identities is crucial to diminish symptoms and to maximize the resilience found in most people with DID. And I think this is key, right? Like, DID is not something that is born out of weakness. It is born because that person is resilient. Their brain found a way for them to cope with whatever traumatic event happened early on in life or multiple events. The person who has this disorder is not broken and they don't need to be fixed. They just need to be helped in order to learn how to be within the present. They're resilient. They are growth-minded. They just need a little help to get to our quote-unquote baseline, right? The resilience found in these people is something to be admired. No, the events they went through are not right. They are not something that we should glorify or put up on a pedestal. But the fact that these people's brains, people with DID, or dissociative disorders found a way to protect the person who went through these traumas by compartmentalizing everything and dissociating different parts of themselves from other people. That's astounding. Like the human brain is incredible. And the fact that the the brain continues to do that through adulthood and continues to protect, you know, itself from harm and from pain. I mean, it's, it's absolutely astounding. If the brain didn't separate itself, then it, the person wouldn't be able to go through life in a more fulfilling way. It's just, it, the first phase, safety and stability, is the most important. During this phase, individuals learn how to stabilize symptoms of DID and PTSD using a variety of psychotherapeutic techniques and sometimes adjunctive slash add-on medications. It is critical for the individual with DID to develop safety from suicidal and self-destructive behaviors, substance abuse, eating disorders, high-risk behaviors, unsafe people, and other dangerous behaviors and situations. This is because DID develops in a childhood environment of repeated lack of safety and unpredictable danger. Without the development of safety, DID treatment will not progress. It's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? You have to have your baseline met in order to continue to develop. So if you don't have a safe environment, how can you then focus on anything else? And you have to have a safe mind in order to do that. If you you constantly feel unease within your own skin, within your own conscious, then how can you even begin to focus on anything outside of the meat sack that you occupy? There's just no way. So developing safety is key, which is why it's the first step. Not all individuals with EID wish to address their traumatic experiences in depth. However, if the individual with DID agrees and has achieved safety and stability, phase two is focused more on carefully and slowly recalling the life history, which is often experienced as PTSD flashbacks. Therefore, this phase also involves ongoing work on safety and additional stabilization of DID and PTSD symptoms.
Again, to go through this phase is just incredibly brave. You have to recall things that your brain critically cut out of your life. And it did so to protect you. And so going through with that treatment and recalling all of the trauma in order to process it is incredibly resilient. There's no other way to put it. In phase three, the individual's DID and PTSD symptoms have usually substantially been moderated, and the individual with DID may even experience subjective fusion of some or all self-states with complete merging of the characteristics of these subjective identities. This frees up energy for a focus on living better in the present. So some adjunctive or add-on treatments for dissociative identity disorder include hypnotherapy, which can be helpful in stabilizing DID and PTSD symptoms. However, hypnotherapy can only be used if the therapist has received certification in using hypnosis and has specialized training in its use in DID and other post-traumatic disorders. You have to make sure that you ask your provider about their credentials when they're using hypnosis. Anyone can claim to know how to use hypnotherapy, but they have to specifically specialize in traumatic experiences, and mental health disorders. If they don't, then they're not credible and you shouldn't seek them out. Another treatment is through medication. So medications are adjunctive or add-on treatments in DID treatment and do not directly affect the basic symptoms of DID. In DID treatment, medications do not have a major direct effect on symptoms unless there are other specific disorders present. For example, there are medications that can substantially improve symptoms of PTSD, although some people cannot take these due to the side effects. Medications for depression and mood symptoms usually have limited effects, but may provide some symptom relief as long as the patient and practitioner have carefully identified which symptoms will and will not be helped by medications. Medications for anxiety symptoms can be moderately helpful, but must be monitored carefully, especially in individuals with a history of substance abuse. Individuals with DID often have a complex, chronic sleep disturbance with difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep, nightmares, and even complex behaviors that appear to emerge out of sleep. There are medications that can help PTSD nightmares, and this may improve sleep if the patient does not have problematic side effects, of course. Sedating medications often are only partially helpful. Specific DID psychotherapy is often required to assist with fears and flashbacks related to bed, night, and sleep, and nighttime dissociative symptoms. There are also other types of psychotherapy that can assist with DID treatment. These include dialectical behavioral therapy, or DBT, and cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. It, this is, these are focused on trauma-related cognitive distortions that can, be, that can be helpful as adjunctive to the phasic psychotherapy for DID. Eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy, or EMDR, is a treatment that has been found to improve PTSD symptoms, typically in people who have experienced specific adult traumas. It can also significantly worsen the symptoms of DID, especially if used before the DID patient is established in treatment. EMDR can be an add-on treatment if the therapist has full training in EMDR and has specialized training in its use in DID and other complex post-traumatic disorders. Like with the hypnotherapy and hypnosis, 
if your provider isn't specialized in this, you shouldn't be getting this treatment from them. If they do not know more about your disorder than you know about your disorder, they are not the right provider for you. And you need to find someone who is able to help you and guide you through this because you can't always rely just on yourself to be the main expert on what's going on in your brain, right? Like we have to have someone who's objective in order to help us to begin to process what's going on in all of the synapses that are firing. And group therapy can also be helpful for the stabilization of individuals with DID if they are in a group dedicated to patients with this diagnosis and the group is facilitated by practitioners that are knowledgeable about DID treatment. Get the picture here. It's all about having providers that are knowledgeable about DID. It's huge. Like I said, you shouldn't have to be the expert on what's going on in your brain. Someone needs to know more about your disorder than you do. Individuals with DID usually do not do well in general therapy groups, even those that focus on PTSD and trauma, but are not designed for severely dissociative patients. In general, DID experts do not recommend the use of non-professionally facilitated support groups in the treatment of DID, including online support groups. Both in-person and online support groups ultimately may have a severely negative impact on the individual with DID and their treatment. Family involvement. So family treatment, usually with a patient's spouse or significant other, can be helpful for education to help support both the patient and the family during an often long and difficult treatment. Mental health is, it's like a marathon, right? You don't want to overdo it in the beginning and then burn out before you can reach the end. It's something that's long and thought over and trained for and, you know, labored over. It takes a very, very, very long time to get to the end. And not everyone's going to get there in four hours or five hours. Some people will get to the end of that marathon within days. And that's okay. You know, everyone goes at their own pace, but it's something that needs to be taken with care and precaution and in its own time. And just like marathon running, you have people on the sidelines who are there to give you water and to cheer you on to go further. These are your family members, your chosen family, or your blood family, depending upon what your relationship is like with them. But having their involvement will help not only you, but help them to understand what's going on in your brain. We can't ever really fully know what goes on in the brains of the people around us, right? We can only guess and then fill in the context for ourselves. So we're constantly assuming who the other person is or what they're thinking. And it's this assumption that honestly derails us all. In particular, family members are educated to not directly interact with the patient's varying self-states, but to regard their partner as a whole human being and not a group of separate people. Imagine that. <laughs> one of the things, that this is one of my pet peeves when it comes to mental illness, is this picking apart um, who the person is based on what they're going through. And so you end up seeing them as parts rather than a whole. And I am a whole human being. Yeah, I'm not my mental illness, but it is a part of me. And it's something that I'm going through. You can't just isolate that one part and say that, oh, I like all of you except that. You know, it's just humans don't work that way. We don't work in pieces. 
Specialized couple therapy may be helpful too if the therapist is knowledgeable about treatment of childhood trauma and its impact on adult relationships. Rehabilitation therapies. Adjunctive rehabilitation therapies like art therapy and occupational therapy can be helpful if the therapist has training in the use of these modalities in the treatment of complex post-traumatic disorders like DID. Wow, past me really wanted future me to strip up on the script. (laughs) Caring for someone with DID. Now I'm talking to you folks out there who have someone in your life who has DID or who is trying to process what that means. So if someone you love has been diagnosed with DID, you may feel overwhelmed and confused. I'm sure the person suffering with DID also feels that way as well. There are many myths and misconceptions about DID. Movie and TV portrayals of people with DID who have evil alters or violent personalities are incorrect and contribute to the stigma surrounding the disorder. It can help to educate yourself as much as possible about DID. Talk to a mental health professional. You know, make an appointment for yourself in order to make sure that your information is accurate and that your concerns are heard in a manner that won't hurt the person with DID. Treatment for DID can involve revisiting past traumatic experiences, which may be upsetting for friends and family. Make sure you look after yourself and seek help to look after your own mental health. Some self-help strategies include making time to regularly do things that you enjoy, either alone, if you're an introvert and need to recharge, or with friends, if being in someone else's presence can help you to process. Talk to other people about how you feel. Ask a health professional for details of support groups and other services for family carers in your local area. Try to focus on the things you can control and not on the things outside of your control. This one is the hardest one, in my opinion. Oh my god. (laughs) I constantly nitpick and I overthink everything. Um, Yeah, this one is the worst for me. Maybe it's because I'm a Virgo. Maybe it's because I have been uh, dealing with mental illness from such a young age. But I cannot just... I don't worry about the things outside of my control. But I do think about them a lot. You can't control the person with DID or their behavior, but you can manage your reaction. Caring for someone with DID can be unpredictable and tiring. It's important to look after yourself. Caring for anyone with a mental illness can take its toll. And that's not the person with the mental illness's fault. It's just the nature of what it is to be a caretaker. Going into it, you may not realize how much work and how much patience is involved as cliche as it sounds, but there is a lot. And not only for the person going through whatever mental health crisis or disorder or therapies that they're going through, but also for yourself. You grow and change and stretch. You do things that you never thought you'd do or think things you never thought that you would think. And you have to make sure that you are in a good place before you can even begin to help someone else because if you're not in a good place how can you help to make sure that someone else gets to a place where they are also stable and okay you can't so you got to make sure that you're looking after yourself in order to help those around you all right guys i know that was kind of a heavy episode links to everything all the stats 
will be in the show notes. Again, please check out the other bakers who are doing incredible work. I will link everything down below. They're mainly on Instagram, but like I said, they're spread all around the world. Um, Bake Wellbeing is the person who or account that put me in touch with everyone else. So I want to thank them for all of their work. Um, they're based in the UK. And yeah, I'm just excited to see what this group does. So like I said, links will be down below. And please check out my website, see what I'm doing over there, sign up for the newsletter, the blog, all that. I will see you guys next week.